Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined today by, by a, a creaky, creaky chair and Julia Steiner. <laughs> hey guys. Uh, Julia is the summer fellow for the 48th Ward Democrats. And yeah. she's here to talk to us about important things that we all need to be aware of. State politics. State, State politics. politics. Indeed. Yeah. Well, because that's so... We... I knew that about your work in politics, specifically during uh, when you kind of first started there or were doing most a lot of things with um, Jan Schakowsky. But I realized when we mentioned your name on the show that I... And we talked about with, about it with you last night during, like, after D&D... Um, that uh, I have it wrong because you do a lot of stuff at the at the with the state Democratic Party. Yeah, so I started doing an internship for Congresswoman Schakowsky on the government side, which means I was working in constituent services. So really, no political stuff at all. More like acting as a liaison with constituents who need help with various government agencies, like for example. They're having trouble getting their asylum application moved forward or their citizenship application or they're having some drama with the IRS or the Social Security Administration, that kind of thing. Uh, The people on the government side of congressional offices, they write letters to federal agencies on constituents' behalf and try to help them work with government agencies and use their muscle that way. Mm -hmm. And... When I was done with that, because I kind of came in in the middle of a semester, and I'm, you know, I'm no longer in school, so my schedule doesn't really match up right. yeah. <laughs> with a lot of the college kids who want to come in and do internships in the summer. Um, I switched over to kind of the campaign side of things. Uh, Jan's political director got me in touch with Carol Ronan, who is the committee woman for both the 48th Ward, which is basically the Edgewater neighborhood in Chicago, as well as the entire 9th Congressional District, which is um, in Chicago, that's like Rogers Park down uh, down to Uptown, mm-hmm. and then it goes over... To like Arlington Heights, Yeah, right? it goes all the way over to Arlington Heights, includes Evanston, Wilmette, um, yeah. Park Ridge, little bits of Des Plaines, and then like the Edison Park area where I live. Cool. Yeah. No, I think that's, like, a super uh, important distinction. I mean, it was something that we were even talking about in the show, is this idea of, like, where state politics lie and where national politics lie. Because we were talking about it with when I got the districts mixed up between my friend who's running for state Florida Senate versus the districts for um, state Senate. Yeah. Um, I mean, not state Senate, uh, national Senate. National... You mean like? See, I'm already getting a confused. So now. the Senate, federal the, Senate, like the entire right, state right, right, is your right. constituency. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the only. But like with with Congress, um, it's it's split up based on the population of the state, and they're assigned to specific congressional wards. Right. Right. Districts can get congressional districts. Yes, yeah. you're talking about federal elections. Yeah. 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 Yes. But that's the other thing is that I guess my point here is that there is also like breakdowns within breakdowns of like yes, districts within the exactly. state and districts within uh, and, and, the, and districts within the counties is that right the wards yeah the, the way <laughs> chicago does it is there are there are different wards and every ward has has an alderman right so that's oh, how it works in the city yeah cool yeah 
So, uh, all of that being said, it, that alter person, th- excuse me. Oh, <laughs> fair, nice. Um, also, something that the so the something that the Illinois State Democratic Party right now is campaigning for is House Bill Forty, Illinois House Bill Forty, right? Yes, that's correct. This is in addition to the whole budget stalemate, which was finally resolved last week for the time being illinois mm-hmm. had gone three years without a budget and one finally passed and another big initiative that we're working on is house bill 40 which relates to reproductive rights in the state of illinois so we're gonna have to go all the way back to the 1970s to get a handle on the history of this one um in 1975 the illinois state government passed the let me get my full Full title here, because I don't want to get any words wrong. Uh, The Illinois Abortion Law of 1975, which states that, you know, in case Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, um, Illinois will go back to essentially criminalizing any abortions done at any stage in a pregnancy. Oh, shit. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um... So this is our current status quo that we're working in. And in this current political climate, when you've already got Neil Gorsuch confirmed, there are all these rumors of Anthony Kennedy, Justice Anthony Kennedy, the, cr- the most crucial swing vote on the court, retiring soon. You know, unfortunately, a lot of the liberal justices aren't getting any younger. Mm-hmm. So here we're trying to, you know, get ahead of such dramatic cha- potential changes on the Supreme Court and the decisions that they could be making and ensure reproductive rights for every uterus owner living in Illinois. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I pulled up the language of the um, of the abortion law of 1975, and it says, without in any way restricting the right of privacy of a woman or the right of a woman to an abortion under those decisions, the General Assembly of the state of Illinois do solemnly declare and find in reaffirmation of the longstanding policy of this state that the unborn child is a human being from the time of conception and is therefore a legal person for the purpose of the unborn child's right to life. So, I mean, and that's, so correct me, like, basically House Bill 40 is replacing that or or amending it? Yeah, it's kind of overturning, overturning that trigger language is what we're calling it. And so what it does is it repeals the trigger language in the Illinois abortion law of 1975, assuring that it will remain both safe and legal. Okay. Which, you know, brings back to the idea that I think everyone should be working to, regardless of your party party affiliation or views on abortion, it's making it safe, legal, and rare. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing, that's like the weird um, right-wing, like, fear, is that um, what people that are pro-choice are trying to do are just, like, having abortions everywhere. And it's like, that's not the case. Like, in, mo- in most cases, it's about finding the scientifically proven method of making sure that it's safe. And and rare. Like, abstinence-only does not work. Because I don't think that anyone's, like, pro-abortion. Like, no one likes yeah. abortion. But the fact is... Sorry. But the fact is, it happens... And it will happen regardless of whether it's legal or safe. 
Yeah. And so we should make it safe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. absolutely. And there are two there are two other things that HB40 does. It removes um, some current restrictions in state law on Medicaid coverage for abortion because, you know, it goes with the idea that regardless of your income level, you should have the same options mm-hmm. for health care as everybody else. And then also it removes restrictions in state law for state employees so that if you work for the state of Illinois, you also have the same access to health care mm. as anybody else. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's one of these, it's one of these things that, um, it's important, like, to keep up with what's going on at the state level, because I don't think most people even knew that that's what the Illinois state law was. Like, I know when I was briefly, <laughs> briefly researching it before we were, we had this interview, like, that's what a lot of people were surprised at, as how, um regressive it is the where the illinois state law stood and it's almost kind of like a a reminder of like (laughs) women's suffrage is not that old you know what i mean like women's rights are not like that uh like firm in this in the sand it's still kind of a novelty yeah (laughs) it does it does feel like that's yeah quite often yeah um so what i'm wondering is so when is this provision up for a vote. So it's already passed through both the Illinois State House, um, essentially the statewide version of the House of Representatives, and also the Illinois State Senate, but they made a decision not to deliver it to Governor Rauner's desk yet because he uh, reversed a campaign promise by saying that he would veto this bill if it ever came to his desk. And he originally campaigned, hello, Moody, I hear you, as a pro-choice a pro-choice Republican and was known for being way more moderate on this issue than a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of his colleagues. And he's since said he will veto this bill. So it, HB 40 came up through the Illinois State House and the State Senate <laughs> at about kind of near the end of the legislative session. So... Right now, um, our state reps and our state senators made, on the Democratic side, they control both of those houses, they made the decision to wait until September to deliver it to Governor Rauner. And now that the state budget has passed, this has very quickly become a very high priority because we're trying to raise awareness about this bill, um, get people to get people to lobby Governor Rauner to, you know, stick to his original campaign promise and... Right. Yeah, and and sign this bill. And we've got a lot of a lot of canvases coming up for, for this where you can go knock on doors in um, kind of some kind of some swing districts, some right here in the Chicago suburbs. So if you have a car, they're super easy to get to. I will mm-hmm. talk more about those later. But we've got a lot of initiatives coming up, and I can tell you some more about how to learn more about what we're doing on that front. So yeah. I, I'm wondering um, why House Stems specifically chose to wait until September to put it on the governor's desk. I think it just buys, you know, I can't say for sure because I'm not working down there, right, but yeah. I would say that the biggest strategic asset is, you know, just get get more time, tell more people about Mm -hmm. what they're trying to accomplish by passing this bill, how important it is for 
for the uterus owners who live here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So my other uh, question is, so like besides the canvassing, like I know there are a lot of people that also are willing to make phone calls and are willing to write and stuff. Is it best to write Ronner or is it best to write your dis- district person like or your alderman? Like who's all of them? Like what? Yeah, it wouldn't be alderman because that's a city government thing, but absolutely you can um, research, research your, your state rep and your state senator, see how they voted they voted on the bill. If they're a strong supporter of HB 40, you can thank them for their support, urge them yeah. to keep up the fight. And also at the same time, you can um, you can write, write to the governor, call the governor, email the governor's office and tell them why this bill is important to you and how it affects your health care and your health care decisions. Cool. Nice. And there are, yeah, there are definitely phone banks as well. If you go to www.passhb40.com, um, there are a lot of great organizations here in Chicago and Illinois that are setting up canvases and phone banks. Well, and I know that um, for a lot of people, like, figuring out what exactly these, like, house bills and initiatives like it's it's overwhelming just yeah. like because they're they're long and it's dense language um so what i found very easily in in you know my very quick research of this bill um was a lot of organizations will have fact sheets that are very easily digestible um the AC, i'm currently looking at an aclu of illinois one um, and it's literally two pages. Um, the first page is all the information that you need, and the second page show, is a list of organizations that support HB40. Um, and it's shockingly easy to be to read up on these types of initiatives. It, ju- it just takes the time to actually go do it. So I encourage everybody listening to literally, what did I even Google? I'm going to look up what I Googled. I'm going to jump in. I'll say yeah. that Pass HB 40 is probably the best one-stop shop because it has everything. It has the background on the bill. It has um, links to um, all the different all the different actions you can take. Mm-hmm. And a list, and like Maureen said, a list of or- the organizations that are collaborating on that. And any any of those groups, like Personal Pack, Plant Parenthood, ACLU, Men for Choice, you know, those are all organizations you should know about if you care about reproductive rights. Awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned that there were canvassing opportunities. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> if you have your Saturdays free... In the next, coming up in the next couple of weeks, I have um, some information for you on Saturday, July 15th, out in Grays Lake. If you can get out to the far burbs, uh, we'll be canvassing in Representative Yingling's district. And uh, if you meet up at the Bake Sports Theme Restaurant on US 41 at 11, at 11 a.m., a uh, personal pack will be there. Uh, just doing a little bit of canvassing training, and then you'll get out there, talk to some doors, talk to your fellow Illinoisans. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm still very new. <laughs> and is it what is Illinoisy? Illinoisans? Illinois? I don't know. Illinois, Illinois residents. Illinois residents. <laughs> yeah, and it's just making people aware of what of what this bill, what this bill will do mm-hmm. for 
for the people around you. And one that's much, much closer to home is taking place on July 22nd in in Park Ridge, which is kind of by the airport on the very north... It's the suburb directly above the very northwest tip of Chicago, and that is meeting at the Starbucks on 100 South Northwest Highway at 10 a.m. And again, that's on the 22nd. And I think that one will be a lot easier for people to get to, but if you are willing to go to Grays Lake and help the folks out in Representative Yingling's district, that would be greatly appreciated as well. And I'll give the printed information to Maureen and Daniel so they can disseminate that around for everybody. Sure. Um, And then if... If people are unable to, you know, if, for instance, because I know that I work on Saturdays, and so what are things that people can do, like, can they host, like, letter writing things? Absolutely. Um, If you, on Passage B40, there's a Google form you can fill out uh, with your name, address, when you're roughly planning on hosting a postcard party, and they will send the materials directly to you. Yeah. Cool. I saw that. And they also you can also host a phone bank party. Yes, you can. Which is an interesting thought. We have a... Like, I think we're open to the idea of definitely hosting a phone bank party. So I think, obviously, this is, like, super formative right now. And I'm literally just coming up with this idea and looking Maureen in the eye and going, <laughs> we should host a phone bank party. And, yeah, and, he is. I can see it. I can see it right um, now. <laughs> but I think... Uh, if you want, if you were interested in doing that, um, reach out to us because we should do that. Maybe during the day before one of our performances or something like that, we can like do a phone bank and then I'll go to a Scopy session or something. Yeah. So let me know. Shoot us an email. We'll set it up over the next like three weeks or something. Like we'll shoot for like l- mid August. No, late Ju- late July. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That shoot us great. an email. Definitely. Brilliant. I'm totally not. Brilliant, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Because I'm totally... Because this is... The thing is, like, this is not even necessarily a partisan issue. I don't even think that... Besides the, like, fundamentalist right, um, a lot of the right isn't necessarily, like, we need to criminalize abortion. Yeah. And that's what this is... that uh, What this is really fighting against. Like, if you have deeply held moral convictions about reducing or even or like eliminating the need for abortion there's still nonpartisan ways to work together yeah on that but it's become so it's become so visceral mm-hmm. an issue over the past you know, for, 40 years especially right. it's, it can be hard to separate separate your emotions from well, that sometimes i think that's well, the super interesting thing about sorry what were you gonna say well and i i'm just like the idea of criminalizing it is really shocking to me just because hurtful even it's hurtful because you're in a very delicate and vulnerable if you are considering an abortion you're in a very delicate and mm-hmm. vulnerable position mm-hmm. and then if you're quote unquote caught <laughs> then not only are you are you dealing with the trauma that led you to this decision because it's a hard decision yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, not only are you dealing with the feelings that led you to this decision, you are now going through the criminal justice, like state criminal justice system and li- reliving it over and over and over again. And it's, sh- it's shocking and hurtful. Right. And that's the thing that's amazing about just ju- like, you know, we, we store for a Catholic church and sometimes in the announcements you have to be like, 
And I, we wouldn't read this part. Yeah. <laughs> we would skip over this part. But sometimes civil, just, civil disobedience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dissenting. Uh, yeah. Under, under Catholic Church paycheck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved doing that. But basically, it was like, you know, uh, and pray that we, or, or donate to the Women's Crisis Pregnancy Fund in the hope that we can overturn the tragedy of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I would and just so, skip those announcements whenever I had to read the announcements. But being an ignorant man, I had never looked up what Roe v. Wade actually... St- I mean, I knew, like, I know it's it was about abortion, it was about choice, but looking up what it actually stipulated, all that it did was uh, it had to do with stipulating at what point should should the state get involved in abortions and that is the third trimester piece and that's kind of where that language that rhetoric um comes from is the actual law itself and it's not about this it was something it was before we, we started recording it was a point that you made um which is that if you're talking about getting a, a, an abortion in the third trimester like it's not like it's not like a willy-nilly decision no yeah and i you know i mean i think that that I think that those proce- those procedures are usually for mothers who are were planning on car- already planning on carrying right. this fetus to term, and then there are extreme complications, yeah. and it it becomes a medical a medical necessity Absolutely. at that point. I mean, childbirth. And when it's a necessity, it's not really a choice anymore. It's like something that you need to yeah. live. <laughs> right. And I mean, correct me if I'm sounding ignorant, but like childbirth. It, although is a very progressed science, it's not an exact science. No. Um, and, I, you know, I think that any protection we can take at that point, like, I don't... There aren't, like, abortion warriors going around just, like, sneaking into hospitals and, like, committing abortions as much as they can. You know what I mean? Like, there, it's not a... I just... I think it's like, this, They're, like, hiding warriors. coat hangers in a duffel bag. Oh, God. God, well, that's dark. Yeah. Well, I, shit. Well, no, I just, I think it's an interesting thought. Where I'm going with this is, like, I just think it's so weird, interesting to me how things that are just legislative, like, let's try and put kind of a, some sense of offense of understanding of breaking down pregnancies into trimesters and being like, this is where, this is what we can say is, uh, safe and legal up until this point, and then after this point, it's a state stipulation, right? Like, that's what, that's all that Roe v. Wade really did, was that. Or I, And I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, someone please write into the show. Um, but I just, it's amazing to me how humanity and how the right of humanity is able to take that and turn it into this fear-mongering, this, like, way of being, like, you know, preaching at churches about how the left wants to go on, like, a fetus crusade. On a, yeah, or, on you a know, killing spree. Yeah. That's... Well, and it's... And what it is, is it just... It devolves into, like, slut-shaming rhetoric. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, of course, we need more of in our society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what about, generally, how else do you recommend, as a person that works in campaigning and that, and that works in state politics, I mean... How do you recommend people get more involved at the state level? Um, I think it's a combination of reading reading more media that deals with state 
with state issues like the Trib or even like Cook's Political Report in Chicago. Sometimes they do they do stuff like that. Chicago Reader is a great source for city and state politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're on the liberal end of the spectrum like I am, there's a little bit there's a little bit of a slant there, but it's really good in depth reporting, and it's also an independent newspaper, so that's plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also just knowing who your representatives are and the Illinois State Board of Elections website can help you with that. You plug in your address and it'll tell you. Nice. And then you can, you know, look into those people's names and their their voting records from there. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's just a matter of knowing knowing what the different levels of government government are, uh, who represents you at that at that level what their positions are and also what are the current current issues of the day yeah and with the internet now it is easier than ever yeah and that's the thing is that at the state level it's the same there are the same things that are happening at the national level i feel like there's this fever pitch of excitement around what happens at the national level like with shows like the west wing and house of cards (laughs) kind of dramatizing like vote gathering and and um and you know collaboration between branches and things like that like i you know that is also happening at the state level and it's happening at at a similar pacing you know like there is sure like we have every duty to be involved and in a lot of ways like for people that are like local arts makers that see the purpose of having multiple organizations it's the same fucking thing like sorry we're trying to curse less not entirely not curse but um keep that explicit rating yeah um but i mean you know it's this it's the same theory about keeping things local keeping things you know having a larger network of small communities kind of coming together and dictating how not dictating but kind of like deciding how policy and what the framework of society should really look like because it's you you know better at that local level and i think we're better we'll, we'll better represent ourselves if you know like i don't know like i i looked up just now while we were talking um rude uh but i looked up just now while we were talking how to look up your state senator because i had no clue and there's a whole website it's like uh illinoispolicy.org i think i already lost it uh and just to jump on daniel's point is you think of it you know we live Yes, we live in a country, but we also live in a state. We live in a county. We live in a city. And all of right. those things, all of those kind of constituencies combine into, you know, what our lived experience is and what the policies that affect us are. There's an old saying, all politics, all politics is local. Yeah. And that's the other thing is like, you know, with 50% of the people not voting, I mean, it's hard for me to especially in non-presidential years right. election turnout goes way way down yeah and it's like you want to complain about how you feel like you're not represented in in politics and in you know the discourse get involved i think that's really like what we need to do like the thing is that like if you don't feel like you're represented like there's a level of like you know represent yourself like we yeah. we're losing voices left and right like well and i think that Um, especially during this time of political turmoil, there are organizations and there are communities of people who are, 
who are working to make it easier to get involved. Um, for example, um, if you, you know, we're at Heartland Cafe once a week for performances, and there is political information posted all over that mm -hmm. campus. And like, in, this is partially a plug for come to our come to our stuff. But go to Heartland and like see see the stuff that they're distributing and learn how you can get involved. Get in touch with people like Julia who are offering a wealth of information and be like, how can I get involved? Look online. Look at look at your. I've got places I can send you. Exactly, nice. yeah. Work to get involved, not only on a national level. I mean, you know, resist with every bone in your body. But yes, it's the God, same. please. I mean, resist, but then also progress. Promote. Yeah. Progress. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I love that you're saying that. So, like, I, I think that... You know, it, we can resist all we want, but we also have to move forward and we also have to support. So, you know, get involved, host phone bank parties, legit, like, you know, once a week we have, we have dinner in our apartment and like it, it if you ever have a gathering of people, take, you know, 10, you know, take 10 minutes, everybody take your phone out, call, everybody call two people and then be done. Right. Like, just get involved. It's It has never been more important. Yeah. I So I want to ask you next about, because I know um, one of the things that you mentioned that you that uh, is really crucial to this movement is canvassing. And I kind of, lo I always love that idea of like this you kind were, of... You were born for it. <laughs> well, the reaching out to people thing, you know, like I... I think it's so important. I always quote this. I quote I quoted it like three times in our first ten episodes, and haven't touched it since because like I don't want to sound too FDR preachy. But like when he was running for state senate in New York, that's what he. Oh, not for state senate, but for fuck. I keep getting it mixed up. For senator in New York, um, he went. He got in his car and just drove up the upstate New York and just knocked on houses for like days just talking to people Old being like campaigning. what are you looking for in mm -hmm. your government what are you looking for and that's what got New York State so excited about him even though he was I mean fuck like I see J.B. Pritzker's ads all the time but like I don't know the ones that he sponsors on Facebook. Are you? Do you all also see that? I think it's because Facebook knows I'm a progressive, and so they're like, maybe you'll like this guy. And then I look at his thing, and he's just, like, rich as hell and, like, doesn't really do any community outreach outside of a photo op. Um, yeah. But... He's starting to host a lot of, a fr like, free informational okay. sessions, sessions that people can go to. And I know he just finished um, a tour of... Central and downstate Illinois, and I think there was a lot of FaceTime with constituents okay. at that. So he's starting to get the ball rolling on that front. But I also feel like there's a difference between hosting in a like a a speaking event, you know what I mean, where you're like giving a speech and then maybe having like ten minutes of conversation, and like having people on the ground, just like reaching out to people. I don't know, and I mean, I, I think that's yeah. that's daunting to like to do. I mean, I'd imagine like f like for you, like what is it? when like canvassing like what is that like like for for people that are like introverted especially like <laughs> i would can't see it but i'm raising my hand yeah <laughs> like i can't imagine talking to people most of the time short of being in my apartment on a microphone like it's so weird sorry go ahead i'm gonna let you talk about about canvassing if that's cool yeah. 
So the thing I like about a lot of a lot of canvassing that the uh, democratic organizations I'm working with is there we're already working with you know fr- friendly people like registered registered Demo- democrats we have a lot of social anxiety about getting into a hostile political confrontation yeah this you know minimizes the chance of that happening greatly it's about we're really trying to keep people engaged throughout the cycle as right. you said so you know this might be someone who considers themselves a strong democrat but they only really vote or get involved in politics in presidential election years so it's staying in touch with those people all across the state all across the country and you know reminding them we're still out there there are that there are things going on and of course with the with the climate at the national level I think that's also encouraging people to stay yeah. involved but I know the party organization from you know Tom Perez and Keith Ellison on down our big big initiative is trying to keep people engaged tuned in motivated fired up right not in October of 2020 but now in july of 2017 cool well the other thing i really want to talk to you about because i always like talking to you about this oh there's there's one thing about so you were mentioning um how like the governor the gubernatorial candidates are seem inaccessible i got an email from true north cafe in our neighborhood recently being like meet the gubernatorial candidates and it was one of and chris kennedy was there um, and it was, I, I was like, they're starting to, they're starting to show up and shake hands with people. It's yeah. about, it's about that time. And I would encourage, I would encourage everyone to kind of get a handle on. Yeah. Get, get a handle in that. That's going to be an incredibly crucial race Yeah. here in Illinois because, you know, we think Rona is pretty vulnerable. Yeah. And there isn't a fear of any kind of like. So is it the same way that it is with other elections in that there will be a primary sort of thing where we pick a there candidate? And that'll be a, that'll be next March. Cool. 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 Um oh shoot, I forgot what I was gonna ask. Oh, so I wanna talk about um party unity and left okay. unity, if that's cool. Yeah. Um, because I'm very for it when it comes especially when it comes to election time and when it comes to the decision making process and i think it's all i i mean i i consider myself pretty far left and so i you know have critiques of the democratic party but i think that there is a there is a greater need at a certain point to like when it comes down to like like for example the election of 2016 like sh- sure you can critique hillary clinton but there is a a, a need to bond together in the left and um and you know i think more and more as we've progressed from that like highly traumatized place <laughs> like i think it was interesting you were saying last I night about laugh, tom perez about keith <laughs> yeah, about tom perez and keith ellison where it's so easy to i'm sorry that i'm stealing your words um but like to kind of place them in the pigeon holders of like this is the more progressive one, and this oh, is the yes. less progressive one. Um, like the poster boys of party infighting. Exactly. and Which they very much are not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I, I just want to kind of hear what you think about, like, how party unity. I mean, like, what, what uh, the need for critique versus the need for kind of, like, finding 
bipartisan, if that even makes sense, like within the Democratic Party, if there were two kind of parties, if we really had to think about it, which it seems like... like the two different wings. Yeah. Two or three different wings. It's... that That's something that gets intensely frustrating for me from time to time. And it's... Thankfully, it's not in the people that I spend time with. It's yeah. when I spend way too much time on Twitter and see all the infighting and the sniping and it's I understand that people feel like you know they weren't they weren't listened to or their views don't matter but so much of it seems to me like a like a knee-jerk reaction to the loss in November and you they just want to stay stay back at a time where yeah things were intense but they felt a little more simple because you were fighting with your own people rather than the Trump administration, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so there's so much that's going on in the Democratic Party right now that actually excites me. There's this whole initiative called Resistance Summer that's going on where um, Democratic Party operatives all over the country, they're training training new volunteers, meeting with separate community organizations, groups like Indivisible, things like that, and, you know, laying the groundwork and giving people skill sets to be the best advocates for progressive policies that they can be mm-hmm. going in, going into the midterms. Yeah. And the big, the big connector of all of that is you know unity it's we understand that you might care about this issue like you're really passionate about about single-payer health care and then this person is really passionate is really passionate about police account police accountability and there's room there's room for all of us and there's room for us to have tough conversations but in the end we're all looking for you know a more fair um you know a more fair country um a country where people have opportunities for, I'm going to get real cliche here, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's, I agree. And I think that um, nothing makes me feel more like a belief in the fact that we can find left unity um, is that, uh, like, I mean, we've, we had close to it. I mean, it was in the 40s, but I mean, 30s, 40s, I always talk about my love of FDR. I mean, like, a lot of his policies were, like, extremely based on socialist like, I mean, I, I'm, like, imagining the flack from the left in my head, the far left in my head right now when I say this, but, like, you know, it but, was at least, at least influenced by, you know, yeah. like, I mean... Give it, giving it a specifically American, whatever that means, right. flavor. <laughs> yeah, like, if if uh, Karl Marx was communism, or um, if, uh, like, the Beatles were communism, then, like, FDR was, like, I don't know... Uh, what's that one band animal collective or like something you know what i mean like like it it was definitely influenced by and i mean maybe they're completely different completely apples and oranges but you can't deny the like effect of common thread between them well like revolver like revolver was this album that was completely influenced like kind of posts it was influenced by pet sounds the um Animal. Beach Boys. I didn't know that. Well, Animal Collective was influenced by both, I think. Because oh, yeah? they were taking kind of the pop t- tones and making them more and more oh, wait, kind no. of like... So either... Which came first? Revolver or Sgt. Pepper? Oh, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure. But so the other thing that I really wanted to talk about, and please write into the show if you have any more thoughts on on my uh, statement of Animal Collective being non-analogous. <laughs> no, I I genuinely think the Animal Collective was influenced by the Beatles to some that extent. That laugh was a lot. I was a lot. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but so the other thing that I really want to talk about is another kind of like far left thing, which is it was a video I showed you last night, and it ties into what we were talking about about the left, and this is just kind of a thought I have about the left. Um, and that is uh, the Bernie killed Rosa Luxemburg meme, which I thought was super interesting. And do you remember that video? I do, but I spend, like, no time on the dank memes side of the internet, so I well, was, I'm I gonna, knew nothing about it. I'm gonna totally make it make sense. So Rosa Luxemburg was a, um, like, a, a leftist theorist in, like, the 1910s, 1920s from Poland, and she uh, moved to Germany and was a big activist in German politics. Um, but she was, so the, like, and you gotta, you gotta take this out of American politics entirely. Like, when you when we're talking about, like, centrist left, right? Like, this, I'm not saying that the centrist left in America is what the centrist left in Germany in the 1910s and 20s looked like, because politics were completely different then. Um, the centrist left in Germany, though, uh, basically hired mercenaries to assassinate political dissenters. So this was included Rosa Luxemburg. And uh, they assassinated her, and um, now there is this far-left meme, and I'm talking about like the deep recesses of Marxist theorists, that Bernie killed Rosa Luxemburg. And so if you take that from the, com- from the, um, the perspective that we're talking about politics right now, um, like, there, you can go so far left that you can even be, like, structurally and, like, completely critiquing Bernie Sanders, who is, like, to the right, like, a socialist madman. And so, like, it's, it's so amazing to me because the thing is that, like, I think the left has some really interesting and fantastic ideas. But, and here's where it gets related to what we were actually talking about. I think, like, it's all well and good to make up a meme about Rose Luxemburg. But, like, where is your representation in these conversations? Why aren't you also getting involved when something at the state level, which is not hard for a socialist to get involved in, why, where are you? And I, I think that I think that it comes down to something we've been circling a lot around in, as at Scopy, which is keeping your areas accountable. And I mean, if if we have to live in this two party system where the left is being completely represented by the Democrats, why aren't you engaging in open on, and honest conversation? Why are you expecting the left? to do exactly what you want and and not... Expecting everyone to come to you. Exactly. Yeah. And not actually um, communicating and, and not in a douchey way. I'm not saying, like, fucking Bernie bros that are, like, douchey and shitty. I'm talking about... Okay. There are so many queer female identifying, like... I, and I don't mean to, like... My point is, is like the the left is a magical place. It can be, but that is not the people that are rep- being. That's the not the way that it's represented in the mainstream. And like, there has to be some, like, reflection on why that is. It's. I think there's a time and a place for heady philosophical discussions, but we need action. There are yeah. people ready and willing and prepared with resources. If you don't already have them, to take action on policy issues that, you know, they affect you, they affect your friends, your family, your neighbors, and 
I think, uh, you know, everyone has to get up out of their armchairs, whether literal or metaphorical, and, yeah, you know, identify what issues are important to you, and, you know, learn about what you can what you can do to help them become a reality. Right. Well, and. It, it's proven time and time, time and time again that political action works. Mm-hmm. During the Obama administration, the Standing Rock protests worked. They worked, and that they was were, a massive exercise in coalition they, building. They yep. were. It was overturned, and it it all has since become slightly moot. But had we not had a major administration change, it would have. Yeah. But it worked. Like they. They were planning on rerouting, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, we need to remember that no matter what the administration, no matter what, what party holds this, holds the executive branch, we have a responsibility and we have the ability to enact change. There is always room for improvement. And that car alarm agrees with me. It does. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the healthcare bill. Like the healthcare bill has not passed in a Republican-controlled government because of just the overwhelming, like, public dissent. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's so important to recognize. Keep it up, guys. Yeah. yeah. Keep calling. Keep writing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we've got a couple minutes left. Um, I want to let Julia do our regular guest thing, which is a plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like upcoming uh, canvassing events, for example. Um, Other times, that can be a shout-out to self-care type things. Uh, Resources that they they have access to. Uh, Other people doing dope work. So please. Um, So in addition to the upcoming uh, canvassings that I talked about and the you know, ways to get a phone bag started, a postcard party started. I encourage everyone to check out the Indivisible organization. If you are not aware of them already, they are doing great work. They, um, they're involved in all kinds, all kinds of activism in all kinds of different areas, but they're also, their main concern is teaching people how to engage with, engage with elected officials to, you know, be part of the resistance by engaging with our representatives and letting them know what issues matter to you. And they're doing absolutely fantastic work on this healthcare fight, especially. Uh, so if you get get involved with them, if they're not on your radar already, they're great. Cool. Awesome. All right, uh, and I know that Julie is going to be giving us a lot of resources that we're going to be posting on our page, so in case you didn't have a pen and pencil handy, we will post those in a concrete way Yeah. so that y'all can get involved. It's so important. Right. So incredibly important. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dana Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you like what you've heard today and you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways that you can do that. You can head over to scopybank.com that's our website it's our magazine uh you can find all of our most recent podcast episodes there as well as uh our articles um you can also find us on the old social media world uh in facebook on facebook 
we are Scopy Magazine, S-C-A-P-I Magazine. Um, there we post all of our upcoming events. We have a lot going on right now. We also post all of our podcast episodes there as well. Um, and we are also, uh, you can find the details of our current giveaway. Uh, Maureen will talk specifically about mm-hmm. donorship in a bit, but I want to talk about this giveaway, which is that we are giving away uh, Ross Crean's. He gifted it to us, his recording of the great god pan on cd he has a quite a few of those shipped in from the recording label recently mm-hmm. but the official release isn't until august 11th, 11th. and so, what's cool is that i'm on that recording yeah you are i have a role in that opera right so if you become a donor on the site before august 1st um you will be entered to win this recording so please do that if you can um, also, our mo- upcoming events, uh, Tuesday night is our first concert in our representation series. That's Tuesday, July 11th, 11th uh, down at Nightcap. Uh, and then later on in the week, we have a country bluegrass duo, Riley Hill, performing over at the Heartland uh, Bar, the Red Line Tap, uh, right next to Heartland Cafe, part of the Heartland Cafe campus. Um, and so, because yeah, so go ahead. No, generally, we're just we'll be, we've been doing these copy sessions. It's the experimental wing of the magazine. Uh, we are discovering how best to pr- uh, put on performances, um, and so we've been doing these two twice a week concerts. This is our ninth and tenth concert already. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, someone. I'm, it might be seventh <laughs> and eighth, but I'm pretty sure it's ninth and tenth. Either way, we're about almost coming up on halfway through a 20 performance series uh we'll be going towards the end of uh, august so please come out if you can that's down at nightcap coffee bar in pilsen on tuesday nights and red line tap in rogers park on thursday nights cool um and i'm here to emphasize the importance of donations we run on a shoestring budget um everything that we've been able to do up until this point has been because of your generosity it means literally everything to us um if you are in a position to be able to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com, head to our about section. Um, you can become a donor for as little as $5 a month. Um, and if that is the case, for the month of August, as Daniel said, you'll be entered to win a, or rather the month of July, you'll be entered to win a copy of The Great God Pan, um, which is this really cool like exploration of like gender and morality, and it's very in like and you know it is is overt sexuality bad or you know to do those who practice it you know it you know are we demonizing them or are they just it's it's very cool um so yeah if you become a donor uh for the month of july then you'll be entered to win that um and if you do a one-time donation, uh, we will send you a handwritten thank you note. That is just how much we care that we will send something through the mail to you. Um, so That's the line. That's the line, yeah. <laughs> um, so give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>